0: You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. fans welcome to another episode of the bird calls podcast let's see if we still got this i'm your host contributor to the birdrights.com preston ellis today we are back we're talking the summer of zion drew holidays mvp odds coaching updates filling that 15th roster spot and so much more to help us do it the prodigal son has returned from his time in Cincinnati. I'm sure he's got a lot of remodeling. We actually have questions from our listeners about Ali's remodeling. Editor-in-chief oh, no to TheBirdWrites.com, Ali Cosell, what's going on, man?
1: I'm taking aback. back. People actually care about what's going on with my remodel. I mean, if they want to, I'm going to definitely give up that job to anybody that wants it. I'm done. I just want the house completed.
0: <laughs> and how was that lane game, Ali.
1: Yeah. Uh, why, why, why are you going to make me feel bad? <laughs> Kevin and I went to the game. We, we've never been in uh, Yeoman stadium before. We're like, well, let's go catch a Tulane game. Kevin's off. Normally he's not on Thursday. So we went down there and Tulane had basically one good play up until the point they're losing 28 to seven. We looked at each other. Let's get out of here. Of course they come back, win the game. Everybody's talking about it today. And you know, I missed it. <laughs> I was there and I left. <laughs>
0: I mean, what I'm hearing from this is anytime the Pelicans fall behind by double digits, you and Kevin just need to pack up your stuff and go. Uh, <laughs> let's, You're right. let's go You're ahead right. and bring in oh. host of Harden the Paint on 1280 AM, as well as contributor to Crescent City Sports and the Bird Rights. Grub, you've been hosting your show now for, I want to say, six weeks. How's it going? I think it's going really well. I, I've enjoyed it. Um,
2: it's... My passion project—the uh, one thing that that I hope lasts out of everything that I do—and you know we've had great guests, we've gotten good support. I think people are starting to find us, and that's always the biggest thing in in the early going—is making sure people know where you are. And so, start investing a little bit more in some advertising and keep getting the word out. But the best thing I think will be once we get to basketball season, because I don't think there's anybody locally. Who's going to devote more time and more energy and more love, quite frankly, to uh local
0: basketball than I will? Pretty exciting stuff. You can follow them both at Ali Cosell and at DM Grub. Before we get started. Let's be real about something. As we get older, you know, we get kids, we get pets, multiple jobs, it becomes harder and harder to find the right time to connect to your partner. (laughs) You guys with me on this? But when you do get that sliver of a moment, you need to be ready. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them whenever you need them, doesn't matter the occasion, and they're chewable. So they work just as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package So no in-person awkward doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more discomfort. Now, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, Armchair. Just pay five bucks for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Armchair, to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. How'd I do, guys? You did well. At first, I thought you were
2: making a suggestion. Then I realized <laughs> it was an advertisement. I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I thought it was going to be a good heartfelt story, but hey, it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Now we got that awkward uh, awkwardness out of the way. Let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm going to start us with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. I'll go ahead and start with Ollie because it's something we've talked about off air. Um, obviously, these guys are both healthy. They're both full go at practice, according to Andrew Lopez, now of ESPN. Shout out to our guy, and congratulations, Andrew. So let's start with Brandon Ingram, Ali. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations for him. He is eligible for an extension right now. He'll be a restricted free agent next summer. Of course, we've got this DVT thing. We don't know what kind of health he's going to be in. Talk about your early season expectations for Brandon Ingram. Do you expect him to start on opening night?
1: Absolutely. Now that he's been, you know, we got the go ahead from Andrew Lopez that he should be free and clear of any restrictions to start training camp. You know, that's even well before the start of the regular season. That's really good news. So I'm expecting him to be out there day one in the starting lineup, playing pretty much as many minutes as he's probably going to, you know, he can handle uh, from Alvin Gentry. So it all looks good. And as you know, we've been talking, as you mentioned, off air. And I I recently joined David on his radio show to talk a little BI. And you know what? The more I look into him and his numbers and when you factor in his age and his, you know, his skill set and then, of course, his uh, genetic uh, makeup in terms of being one of the longest small forwards out there. You know, he's got that great reach. And then the numbers indicate improvement. You know, that's what I noticed. He he came in the league a lot like Lonzo where he really just couldn't do anything well, you know, defensively, he couldn't stop anybody. He was a poor rebounder. I uh, definitely couldn't shoot the three ball. He's always struggled a little bit from the free throw line, but he really couldn't make anything outside of the rim. But over these last couple of years or so, that's really improved. So I'm expecting for him to have kind of a breakout year with the Pelicans. And we saw that last year with the Lakers. You know, after the All-Star break, man, he was putting up about 23 points a game, shooting close to 53% from the field, about 40% from three. You know what? I think he may lead the Pelicans this year in scoring. I mean, I don't think that's too far-fetched to say, right? I mean, unless we really expect Drew Holiday to take some kind of leap, which I don't think his mindset, right, guys – He's not going to be that, hey, I'm going to launch 25 shots a game type. I don't think that's ever going to be in Drew's, you know, game. So who, who's next? Zion, he's just, you know, entering the league as a rookie. So I next look at Brandon Ingram. So I think Brandon's going to have a nice breakout season. He's going to prove his value to where Preston, even you're going to want to see the Pelicans re-sign him, maybe for, would you say, anywhere from 100 to $130 million over the next four years. And honestly, guys, I'll be fine with it. If he proves that he's worth anywhere close to that money, You know, to fill that long, vacant hole at small forward, I think that would be great. Next to Zion, of course, and you've got Drew. I mean, that's two guys you can really build a cornerstone, and then you add a third. I I like it. So let's just see what he does in the first few months, but I think he's honestly going to get off to a
0: good, strong start. Before we get to Grub, I just want to make a quick point. If anybody reads The Ringer, Jonathan Charks, or Rob Mahoney of Sports Illustrated, the main knock against Brandon Ingram uh, has been justifiably his shooting. However, Brandon Ingram has already shown signs of a, a really nice stroke from deep. Uh, his last 15 games shot over 40% last six games last year shot over 52%. So this is a guy who has proven that he can deliver with that shot and he's do- done it over the course of a dozen or so games. So it's, he's been compared to Giannis, Ben Simmons, DeMar DeRozan either. I, I don't think he's that type of player. I think this shot is developing. However, Grub, now I'm going to transition to you. I think mm-hmm. it's in the interest of both parties that Brandon Ingram face some 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 kind of restriction. I know he's not going to want to because obviously this is a big year for him, but something like a Kawhi Leonard type approach to where he plays 60 games, minutes restriction. Obviously we don't want to see that shoulder act up and and we want to bring him around slowly, but we also need him to get the numbers so that he can improve, help the Pelicans to the playoffs and he can get the payday he deserves. What do you think about some kind of minute or game restriction for Brandon Ingram? I think that's something that the medical
2: staff will certainly be, trying to determine for a few of these guys. I mean, you, you know, uh, whether it's Brandon Ingram or Alonzo ball, or, um, you know, even when you're looking at the guy, some of the guys on the bench, I mean, you just Josh Hart, who had some injuries to deal with. I think they're going to be early on. You're going to see um, some, maybe some minute management for those kinds of guys, you know, a, a top a limit for how long you want to see them play just to make sure that the things that they've worked on structurally and physically during the off season are, taking root and that they are in good position. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's some
0: type of restriction um, on uh, Brandon and Ingram,
2: if not more players.
0: Uh, let's let's follow this up with Grub because that was a quick one. Uh, something that Ali and I discussed. Uh, obviously, he's eligible for a four year, one hundred and thirty million dollar extension, and that kind of locks up the Pelicans' foreseeable future with Drew Holiday on the books. Lonzo Ball's going to need a decision pretty soon. I think they're already on the books next year for eighty one million with JJ Redick included. Uh, they have the opportunity right now, Grub. If they wanted to, they could you know propose four years, eighty million, something that uh, makes sense to both teams because obviously he wants to protect his health, but he also can earn an additional $50 million if he just plays out this season pretty closely to the way that he did last year. I think last year he averaged somewhere around 18 7, and 5 uh, I'm, I'm just uh, guesstimating, though. So, Grubb, what would you do right now? Would you make him an offer, or would you just let the season play out? I don't think David Griffin wants to negotiate
2: against himself in the beginning. I think he I, – obviously, I believe that Brandon Ingram is certainly part of the Pelicans' long-term plans today. But you want to see fit. And I wouldn't make an offer at this point until you know, A, that Brandon really wants to be here, and, and, and B, that he's going to fulfill the role that you expect out of him. So if it does end up costing you more, but you're much more certain at the end of this season about what he is, then I think that deal can be worked out. If, there, if you don't find that he's the, the right fit for this team, you haven't signed him to a prohibitive deal, and you can still move him at the trade deadline. So I I wouldn't be in a rush if I'm the Pelicans to get him signed before the season's done. I really want to see – you have so many guys you want to evaluate, and you can't do that in a vacuum. You need to see how they all play together before I'd single anybody out for an extension at this
0: point. All right, Ali, we'll transition back to Lonzo Ball a bit later. We've got a lot of point guard questions, so we'll just uh, lump those two into each other. Ali, we've had some head coaching changes. Obviously, Kevin Hansen has gone up to Minnesota, but we brought back our friend uh, Jamel McMillan and uh, as well as Jeff Bezelik. Talk a little bit about these additions. Do you think the Pelicans have improved with these two positions? Is it something we just need to wait and see on? Uh, Obviously, we're very close with Darren Ehrman. What, What is your thoughts on this transition?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my immediate thoughts are: I think they did improve. I mean, of course, we have to see how everything plays out, how the players take to uh, both of these coaches. Right? Uh, a lot of them. This is going to be the first time they actually work with Jamel McMillan, who, I, as you know, as a lot of you guys in Pelicans land know, he, he's really uh, very socially active. You know, he he'll respond to you on Twitter. He's also on Instagram, and during games, as David Grubb knows. Uh, He's very open to talking to you really before every game. If he's just got a few minutes when he's waiting before or in between working out the players, getting them ready for the game. So he's a great guy. He's incredibly knowledgeable for being 30 years of age. I think he's just 30. Uh, It's amazing what this guy already knows, possesses. And, you know, his record kind of speaks for himself where all the guards, everybody, seemingly every player he ever worked with in the past has shown some kind of improvement that following season. You know, I think his last couple of years, he spent a lot of time with the guards. So we saw kind of the growth in Drew Holiday's game, each one more's game. You know, he was able to, I think, really help Rajon Rondo get acclimated here. because, he As everybody remembers, he had a couple of rough months where he was, you know, even yanked from the starting lineup. Uh, but of, of course, the Pelicans that year got in the playoffs mainly because Rondo finished the season strong as did the rest of the team. So I love what Jamil McMillan brings. You know, he's got that great pie for development. And these guys really listen to him. I think that's all that matters really in coaching today. You know, you just want guys to listen to you, to pay attention to you. Because as David and I have learned, you know, coaches can drop a whole bunch of stuff. And they can be smart, smarter than really anybody else in the room. But if the players won't listen to you, then none of that even matters. So I think Jamel's one of those guys that he can get through the players. And I think that's the biggest key. Uh, As for Jeff yeah, he's a fresh face. Not sure what we can expect out of him. Um, except for the fact that, you know, he's got a really good record. I know David may argue with me a little bit, but honestly, in the NBA, he's, he's, gotten, he's proven it with his results. You know, with the Denver Nuggets, he got them in the playoffs when they had struggled as a franchise to do that. Uh, that was the only time he was a head coach in the NBA. But he's really had most success recently where he's been the defensive league coordinator for teams, both for the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets. So. You know, the word is he's one of the best. You know, when you've got guys like Pat Raleigh, others like that in your corner, then that really does say something. So I'm expecting for him to be able to put something forth that's going to work with Alvin Gentry's system. Because as we noticed, right, when Alvin goes really fast, the defense seemed to have issues, you know, under Darren Ehrman, whether it was his fault or not. Right. But let's see if Jeff Bezell able to unlock, you know, what's going to be should be a great defensive unit. when You've got favors. You've got holiday already. And uh, you, you think Brandon is going to be a defender. You think Zion's going to be a great defender. So it's going to be real interesting to follow.
0: All right, Grub, let's follow up on that. Obviously, Ali mentioned uh, the success that Jeff Bezelik has had. One question I wanted to bring up with you, uh, dating back to last offseason, Jeff Bezelik actually retired. And Mike D'Antoni, about a month uh, into the season, the Rockets obviously struggled out of the gate. They negotiated his return. I want to say it was late November, early December. Uh, what does it say to you that this coach retired a year ago and now not only is he continuing his career but he's moving over to New Orleans. Um I think there was some issues with his
2: retirement last year with the Rockets. I don't think it was just a pure desire to to leave the game. He's he's a he's a relatively young man. Uh so there's plenty of basketball ahead for him. I think that there were some um issues behind the scenes that resulted in him moving on because when he came back, clearly he made an impact on the Rockets. My issues with him go back are just purely on on Wake Forest. And, and he coached in my alma mater and he did a terrible job there. But yes, his defensive record uh, in the NBA has been outstanding. And I think what he brings to the table um, is is a clear concept and he is willing to adapt to the players that he has to perform defensively. Because that Rockets group was is not an easy group to get to play team defense, especially when you consider the dramatic difference from the team the year before to what they had last year as far as their lineup is particularly on the wings. So um, for him to be able to adjust and make them better two seasons in a row um, I think speaks highly to his abilities. And what I do like is that you know Alvin continues to give and empower his assistants uh, in a way that, shows that he's not afraid to learn more. He has his philosophy, but you see both um you know Finch and and Busdellic are associate head coaches. And so they've been given authority more than just hey, you cover offense and you cover defense. There's a level of responsibility and trust that he has in bringing these guys on and of course with Jamel bringing him back as as, as well. And I really like that about the Pelicans staff is that there seems to be um this this Focus on getting on one accord and having people who believe not only in the overall mission of the,
0: the organization, but who understand Alvin's vision and what he wants to implement. All right, let's go ahead and transition over to, to Koya George's question. He says, "Who will take Miller's space in the rotation after the Achilles tear?" Now, Ali, I know that most of us uh, at the Bird Rights, at least, agree that Darius Miller probably really wasn't going to play uh, that much this year to begin with. We think that his salary, uh, the reason that he was paid so much, uh, was probably to be utilized in a trade later down the line. And because the second year is a team option, that that trade is is still possible. Um, a team acquiring Darius Miller is probably Going to be okay with just taking the salary dump. That's probably going to be the reason for the execution. Uh, last year he was just above league average in three-point shooting. So he's not even that sharp shooting ace that we all thought of him as, at least not last year. But this uh creates a bit of a round robin, specifically at the three and the four position. The Pelicans were already pretty thin at the four. They've got Zion, they've got Nicola Melly. Obviously, they want to try Melly and Zion in some four or five lineups. So now this kind of moves guys like Etwan Moore and Josh Hart to the wow. three position and moves Kenrich Williams to the four position as a, as a third uh, rotating 3-4 type guy. Is this the way that you think these minutes are going to be distributed, Ali? How do you think this changes things, if at all?
1: Yeah, from Alvin Gentry's standpoint, I don't think it changes that much other than the fact that he's going to not have kind of a guy that he knows that he's sort of comfortable with and knows that can give you minutes at the 3 and the 4 that, you know, Drew Hall to each one more. He's kind of got the chemistry with some of the returning guys. So from that point of view, from that perspective, yeah, that's going to be missing. But as far as everything else, though, I agree with you. I don't think he was, you know, next in line for minutes at the three or the four. I think this is a better opportunity now for a guy like melody So even if he's struggling a little bit at the start of the season, backing up, you know, Zion at the four, that he's going to be given a longer leash. Same thing with guys at the three, you know, whether it's each one more, Kenrich Williams, maybe Kenrich can play a little four as well, but suddenly I think Kenrich has that ability, but provide, of course, that is if he sticks around. Cause I don't know when, when I saw the Pelicans early or news this week, that they had actually applied for the disabled players exception. Mm -hmm. um, That kind of raised my eyebrow for me because we know that they had interest in Joe Johnson recently. And now there was, you know, some rumors floating out there about Eamon Stumpert, why he didn't sign with Houston. Well, my thought was maybe, hey, maybe the Pelicans were interesting because, you know, David Griffin and uh, Shumpert have a history. Griffin's the one that's responsible for bringing him to Cleveland from the Knicks, and, you know, he actually helped that team out quite a bit. Um, if people don't know, he's, he's a very good defender. You know, he he's a bulldog. He's a guy that gives you effort and energy every single game. And you got to think that's kind of the mentality that Griffin's trying to build here around Drew Holiday, who, of course, exudes the same kind of characteristics. So – I can see the fit there, but if it's not him, then maybe they do have their eye on somebody else. So therefore, you know, Kenrich might, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe his uh, spot in this with this roster may be a little bit in jeopardy. So he's going to have to prove himself because suddenly there's not going to be, hey, Take your time, Kenish developing because Darius Miller's ahead of you. So it's an interesting little sequence, kind of it's it's not going to affect, I think, the team, you know, of course, from a standpoint of wins and losses. But in terms of if injuries crop up, if suddenly guys ahead of other guys aren't able to play, then of course the honest is on those backups. And, you know, with Darius not there now, what who does Alvin turn to? So yeah, I agree there's a little bit, you know, of a story to follow there, but I don't think it's gonna be much, you know, especially if no injury strikes, because this is a deep, deep team, guys. I think and I hope that the Pelicans do keep Kendrick. I think we've seen enough flashes out of him. Uh, You've got to ask yourselves, who are you going to pay that money to a team that's developing anyways? That should be their priority. You want to see Zion and build around his career arc. So you want him to develop, but you want him to experience winning. But you don't want it to come at a cost of bringing in bets that, of course, are going to take the playing time away from the young guys. So it's going to be a really interesting juggling act to see how they react now uh, with just Miller's injury itself.
0: Yeah, Grub. I think that uh, obviously he mentioned Kenrich Williams. I think Etwan Moore is another guy who probably wasn't going to get that many minutes playing behind guys like Frank Jackson. Uh, J.J. Redick, uh, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday. Uh, Another person, I don't know if I just mentioned this, I think Josh Hart probably was only in line for, I don't know, what do you think, probably 18 minutes a game, and now just having one less person in the pecking order in front of him or even in his realm just uh, directly benefits those three guys, Josh Hart, Etwan Moore, and Ken Rich Williams. Who do you think benefits the most from Darius Miller being out of the lineup? Well, first I would say Josh Hart, and second I would say Etwan
2: Moore. Um, Because number one, I think Josh Hart... Uh, does enough things better than Darius to warrant more playing time. And that was the concern because of the split with him and JJ Reddick for minutes at the two, um, that there may not be enough minutes at the three are, uh, in um uh, for hard to get over 20 minutes. Well, now you have a guy who can defend, a guy who can pass the basketball, a guy who can score in transition, who is also willing uh, to, you know, to take the shot off the dribble. Um, And a little bit, I think he's a more versatile contributor. And he's younger than Darius. So I really like what Hart is going to be able to bring and get a few more minutes. And then for Etuan, again, those minutes that he wasn't going to get at the two are still available for him now at the three instead of ceding some of those to Darius. And you get to keep his shooting on the floor um, in those opportunities when the Pelicans play small. So I think they benefit the most. It's still going to be difficult for Kenrich unless he can show that he can score a little bit more effectively this season. Um, He did look better at times in the summer league than he did. He's shown some development. I think his body has developed some too, but I think that that's going to be the one thing for him is he's going to get minutes, but because of the depth, I don't think you want to play him at small ball four all the time. you would rather, if I'm going to play small ball four, I'd rather put Ingram at that spot than I would um, Kenrich because of that length. And then, uh, and his offensive ability. So uh, Kenrich is still stuck in that three spot as far as I'm concerned. And I think he uh, doesn't gain too much out of it. But for each one and for Hart, I think there are a few more minutes each game that they get to take.
0: All right, I'm going to answer Play Zion at Uh, SG's question real quick. He says, do one of the bigs get cut before the season starts due to there not being enough minutes to go around? I don't think so. Obviously, Derek Favors and Jackson Hayes are locks. Uh, Jackson Hayes is probably going to spend a lot of the season watching. Uh, Jaleel Okafor is going to have a great opportunity to back up Derek Favors if he can earn minutes over Nicolo Melli at the five. Uh, So unless Jaleel Okafor personally asked David Griffin out, I'm sure they would honor that request. But from all indications – Julio gets along great with everybody. His workouts are going great. He's kind of rediscovered his career in New Orleans, so I don't think any of the bigs are going to be cut, and obviously they can't afford to cut Nicola Melli. He's got a two-year guaranteed contract, and he's going to be critical to what they do off the bench this year. Uh, Let's go ahead to Zion Williamson, Ali, and the kids. Jackson, Hayes, he, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They've been all over New Orleans at the Tulane game just yesterday with Drew Holiday. They went to the Saints game. They've been to LSU games. They're obviously out golfing. They're really just enjoying what the city has to offer uh building this connection this chemistry between the three of them and the pelicans are really just doing all the right things right now to make zion feel comfortable ali what will that do for the first year of his career
1: uh obviously you want to get off the on the right foot on and anybody you know probably has this experience right if you ever move or even if you just switch jobs the first thing you, you kind of take in are your first you know, perceptions of whether it's the people you work with, your surroundings, you know, everything. So if, if he likes his environment from the start, I think that's really good in building a positive long-term possible relationship here. I mean, you've got to like the place you're, you're playing uh, in and the guys you're with in that locker room. So it sure looks like everything's off to a great flying start. Um, And, you know, we didn't, you know, social media wasn't as expansive when AD first came in, but there was enough. And, you know, I mean, David, I'll ask you this, but I honestly don't remember one single instance of where we saw Anthony Davis and Austin Rivers hanging out somewhere or where it was reported, you know, maybe they caught a game, anything like that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember anything like that. So to see Zion get along so famously with these uh, other guys, it's not just one of them, it's both Jackson Hayes and Akeel. Of course, Didi's in Australia right now. I think that bodes really well. I mean, they say that it's important for a core not only to play well together when you're on a court, but just, you know, you got to grow with one another. And that means developing a bond, knowing your likes, dislikes. And, of course, when you become friends, then you kind of care for each other a little more on a court, and it translates. So I love it, Preston. I think it's great. But, David, do you remember at any point, or maybe Preston, if you do, anytime AD, you know, his first or second season with Austin Rivers or any other young guys doing stuff off the court, no, I don't. I, and I don't think there's been really
2: um, in the time since the the Bensons took over up until this year, there was never really, and we've talked about this plenty of times, no real integration of the players into uh, the community. And I think certainly there's been a concerted effort by Pelicans PR and management to make sure that these guys are seen. They're trying to brand their product. But at the same time, going back to summer league, we've seen genuine affection uh, for each other between this uh, this rookie class. And that's something you can't fake. That's something you can't manufacture. And it's very important when you see young guys come in. And I think that's part of the reason that um, the Lakers guys kind of ha- have assimilated pretty well because they've had each other to lean on as well. And they, you know, Hart and, and Lonzo came in at the same time. So they have been through their experiences and Brandon's only a year ahead of them so I think that those bonding uh, moments have been really important to this team. And then, like you said, the the getting them out there into the public. And it's not up to me. It's not about the LSU game. It's not about the Saints game. It's not about going to Tulane games. More than anything, it's just been that they've been available, you know, from whether it's been Lonzo doing the um, the uh, si- uh, paying for people's things on layaway or uh, just guys being out in the public and and Josh Hart, you know, speaking to fans directly and say hey, can you recommend something here? What do you like over here? They're trying to be citizens of New Orleans. And they want to make New Orleans a home. Um obviously these guys have multiple homes. They go back to the, where they're ever they're from or or um wherever they came from, but to it seems as if they are genuinely interested in being part of the New Orleans community. And honestly, we haven't seen that since The Hornets days. Uh, There have been individual players who've done things in the community, but to see this real effort um, from top to bottom that feels both genuine and productive is something that we have not seen um, in, in probably a decade.
0: All right, we've got two more topics we're going to cover before we get out of here. First, Ali, I just want to mention that David Griffin took a bit of a gamble whenever he broke apart that four-piece into the 8th and 17th and 35th pick, and it paid off really well. And gambling's not something that uh, I guess is the most prevalent topic around like the family barbecue, but the truth is it can be quite fun and it can pay off as it did for David Griffin. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating for Saints fans. And that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they put and they pay when you win. So let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Uh, so if you're a football fan, you can bet after kickoff. Um, if it looks like your bet is fading, no worries, just take the other side. Now is the best time to join because my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, now I heard somebody left. They were probably bored by my read. Uh, I think Ollie is still here. Let's go ahead and check really quickly. Oh, we've added another Ollie. Ollie, are there two Ollies?
1: I think so. I tried to enable the camera while David was talking, and it. I couldn't hear anything right, right when I did it, so <laughs> I guess I can't do that option just yet.
0: It's going well. Uh, my connection or my conference tool has had some upgrades, so we're experimenting with them. Right now, we can see each other's faces, so it might be in our uh, immediate future that we're able to record these conversations and post it on YouTube or something like that if you guys really want to see our faces. Uh, drop a comment if you do. Uh, the the next thing I'm going to go to, I'm going to go ahead to Ali. We've got a couple of questions. One's from uh, Hayden Hatton. Um, let's see. Uh, this is really entertaining radio. Uh, Constantine Lobo. Uh, basically, some questions just asking this, Ali. The Pelicans are going to face some obstacles. Obviously, it's not going to be smooth sailing. They're not going to win 60 games. Talk about some of those obstacles that are inevitably going to hit the Pelicans and how they're going to overcome them.
1: Oh, it's a ton. I mean, first, they've got to become familiar with uh, playing with one another. Then, of course, it's a hierarchy of things, even though, you know, you kind of want to see – uh theoretical basketball where Alvin Gentry says, you know, you play as a team, first guy that's open, you get up a shot. We know that's not necessarily how it works in the games. Um so you know you gotta think Drew Holiday's gonna be the lead dog, but then who's gonna be behind him, right? Is it gonna be Zion right away? Or is it gonna be Brandon Ingram? Maybe Lonzo Ball's gonna like try and you know assert himself with the ball a little more, uh whether it's you know scoring on zone or setting up guys for easier assists. So they've all got to figure out all that out on their own. And of course then together on the court and there's not much time. So offensively, you've got to figure that out. Defensively, of course, you know, deep best defense is what they do. They move. It's like an amoeba, you know, you move with like a five man unit together. And so that's going to take time. Um, it's good thing that they've got some good players that they brought in. Like, you know, for offense, JJ Rex going to naturally space the floor for defense. You've got Derek favors always going to be there protecting the rim. So you kind of got a couple of fallbacks, but again, in the grand scheme of things, they've got to figure out both sides of the ball. And then, of course, you know, there's other things as well. Um, locker room, you know, getting to know each other. It's, it's just going to be a lot. So when you're playing tough teams uh, on the schedule, and then especially teams that have been together for a while, that shows up, honestly, guys, in like the last five minutes or so during crunch time. Who do you trust? What plays have you discovered that work that you can go to in your pocket? Defensively, same stuff. I mean, who's who's the guy that's maybe going to call a player, try and trap when the particular guy on on the other side is really hot, like a James Harden Um, there's all these little minute details that you really don't know until you've been through, been through them. So the Pelicans are going to have to go through all this for the first time. Uh, The hope is the coaches can get these guys going on both ends of the floor. But like I said, those five minutes, and usually a lot of these NBA games, they do come down to the wire where a team is within five points or so one way or the other way. And of course the game is decided by just a couple of possessions. So it's going to be those critical moments, as we've learned, guys, right? Playoff season, the Pelicans had one of the best records uh, in crunch time in last year, one of the worst. So that's going to be the biggest key and really how many games they win this year. And, you know, I don't know, David, if you've got anything to add to that, but it's going to be a lot of things, though. They've got to come across, learn, and
0: learn together. Yeah, Dave, I mean, you want to jump in? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I
2: think, you know, we talked about the close games. You know, the more close games you play in, that means you're a team that's average um but the pelicans probably will play a lot of close games because they are um a young team not an average team i think because they're feeling their way out um the biggest factors for me are going to be how quickly they they adapt defensively uh because that's to me that's the key it'll drive their offense yeah everything becomes easier for this team if they defend all the players that they acquired have some solid defensive acumen and uh, I think that that's the advantage that they're going to have over the course of the season. The second is just going to be, can they stay healthy? And then the third is, is the evolution of Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday are the two most important things to look. How does Drew look in taking on that leadership role, being the guy um, as far as the organization is concerned? And then does Ingram make that leap into being uh, a score that you can count on night in and night out that you just throw the ball to and he's going to perform? I think everybody else, Zion is going to do what Zion does. He's going to be athletic. He's going to make plays. Again, we've talked about this in our previews that he wasn't – we don't think he's going to put up eye-popping numbers because he doesn't have to. Um, But, again, you don't have to run a lot of plays for favors. You're not running plays for Lonzo Ball. So it's going to really depend if Drew can be consistent with his jump shot, which he struggled a little bit with last year, and if Ingram can you know, be a force offensively, this team is set up for reasonable success in its first year.
0: All right, I'm going to go ahead and take this one. We'll just do one-offs for the remainder of the time because we still got a good number of questions to get to. This okay. is from Finn. Uh, he says, who's going to get bench minutes? And Finn, I think the first crack at the point guard position and at shooting guard is going to be Frank Jackson and J.J. Redick. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker will see some minutes, but I think it's going to take some time. I think they're going to rest some of these guys, uh, potentially on back-to-backs like Alonzo Ball. Uh, he's definitely going to get an opportunity, but I think the first crack is going to be Frank Jackson and JJ Reddick. And then at the three, I think the first guy off the bench has to be Josh Hart at this point. Uh, he's got great size. He's got the defensive acumen and he's got the shooting touch. Uh, Etwan Moore is going to be the guy backing him up there and he's going to lose out on those minutes. And then at the four, I think Nicolo melli gets the first crack. Ken Rich Williams will kind of uh, shift between three and four uh, as the fifth guy at, at those two positions. And then at the five, you've got Jaleel Okafor as the first guy off the bench. Jackson Hayes much like Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to get his opportunity, but uh, the game is obviously going to be really fast for them. They're going to need to just kind of diagnose it as they start the season. But on those back-to-backs on those nights when guys need a break, you best believe they're going to get their opportunities. Uh, so we covered bench stuff. Uh, young guys, Griff. Okay. Here's a good one. Ollie. This is from RK gold. He says, you would do anything for love, but you won't do blank.
1: Be serious. <laughs> uh. Dave, if you've got one, please go. <laughs> or are we or talking about,
2: Like, what kind of love are we talking about?
0: <laughs> you got
2: to help you me out. there's a lot of different <laughs> kinds
0: of love. <laughs> I would say my answer would be cat food. Uh, I just don't like the smell of it. it. Kind of freaks me out. So I would you do anything eat- for love, but I would not do cat food. Wait, you would do
2: anything for love, and the thing that that is the line for you is eating cat food. Well, I think or this smelling is, it.
0: I think this is the Michael Bolton song. I would no, it's meatloaf. 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 Oh my God, uh, I'm so ashamed meatloaf. of myself. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm getting older. My wife is my memory bank at this point. I can't remember. I'm anything older myself. than both of you. <laughs> Are you older than Ollie? I think so. Ollie's pretty old. Age. We're born in the same year. Yeah, yeah okay. Ollie's. Ollie's pretty up there. I'm oh, not the same. <laughs> it's got that silver that silver fox hair going. Um, oh, that's but another I, thing. Go ahead.
1: No, 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 go ahead. I, I was going to crack a joke. Never mind.
0: <laughs> okay, we missed it. All right, so we covered that. Thank you, RK Gold. Uh, we love fun questions. This is from Ethan, and I love this question. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pass it to Ollie, though. Ceiling slash floor for Frank Jackson this year.
1: Great question. I was just thinking about We got to talk about Frank. I'll be honest, I know that the Pelicans are high on him, and even this new front office that's kind of come in, all the new guys that have replaced who was here before during the Del Demps era, everybody sees the talent in Frank, and in practices and kind of uh, outside of games, he he's really sparkles like a diamond from everything I've been told, uh, including this summer, but it hasn't translated the court. So that's, that's like I said, perfect question. How much of it translates really going to – really. In, uh, basically give Frank's ceiling in the floor. Because right now, you know, I think you got to look at it. Both ends are possible. He's got a really low floor, which means he may be in the NBA just for another couple of years. Or, you know, if everything does work out, his ceiling, I mean, it could be, I think, as high as the best six-man in the league. Because he can honestly, when he catches on fire uh, and, and his aggressive mentality is there and he the ball's going in the hoop for him from long range, he's a machine. Uh, there's few that can keep up with him, both in terms of speed and athleticism and his mentality. His, like I said, he's got the tenacity that is almost drew like at times. So he's got all the tools, but he hasn't, like I said, it hasn't come into the games all that often. Now, of course we did notice he had a really good April, uh, or was it a March actually, excuse me, had a great March before he was shut down for the year. So can he use that as a springboard? Maybe he worked on some things this offseason that'll help him. That would be great news. Because like I said, the Pelicans are high on him. But, you know, until he proves it on the court, yeah, he's always going to be for me as a high ceiling, very low floor guy. And it's going to be hard to find a really good spot. I think a lot of people can agree on
0: Yeah, we've talked to a lot of people about this. I talked to Grievous Vasquez. We talked to Coach Mike Guevara uh, on the podcast. And everybody seems to agree that Frank Jackson has all the tools. Everybody knows he can do it. It's all between the ears for him right now. And we've seen that evidence on the court. He comes out a bit too fast, like, uh, I don't know, almost like he's ice skating. He's moving too fast. He's over-pursuing. And as soon as he calms down and becomes comfortable, uh, he just becomes a lightning rod. But it's all about just finding that comfort on the floor for him. Uh, This is from Crescent City Connect. Zion's going to be great, right? Of course, he's going to be great. This year, we're just going to track his athleticism. I think there's there's a lot of tools in his game that are going to need refining. Uh, he's going to be very raw this year. This is just my personal opinion. But his outstanding athleticism, his uh, diligence on the court, he is going to make plays, and he's going to be exciting. But I also think he's going to make a lot of uh, mistakes. Just be patient with him this year. Don't expect too much. We are going to get that all-star level player. But I think it's going to take time for him. And refining that shot is going to be the first step of that. Let's go ahead and close out on this. Thank you for your question, Tejeda. Um, This is from Samuel Kushnier, David. And we've got another one from... That sounds like Yuse- an alias. I know. Yuseppe Crociata. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, they're just dealing with the point guard questions, and it's some of the stuff we've been talking about. This is your chance to expand a bit more on Lonzo Ball. Obviously, there's guys like Josh Hart, who can man the position, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, Lonzo Ball. Talk about the point guard position how do you think they are at the starter position with Lonzo Ball right now, your expectations for him? And how well suited do you think they are behind him? I think behind him is, is the big
2: question. I'm not really worried about Lonzo this year. Um, if he's healthy, I think he gives – you know everything is set up for him to succeed if he's healthy. This offense is perfect for him. Uh, the defensive situation is perfect for him. He will not be on an island defensively having to cover for everyone having Drew alongside him, having favors as a rim protector, having Zion be able to, to you know, help him uh, in switches and things like that. So I think, you know, if, if Lonzo's healthy and he gives you, uh, to me, a perfect Lonzo stat line for this season would be like 14 points, um, you know, eight assists and five rebounds, a couple of steals and, you know, and, and around that level, if he's doing that, I'm good. But the problem does become at backup. Obviously I think Drew will get some minutes at point guard as as he does, but the rest of the guys are more combo guards. The good thing is that the offense itself does not rely on a traditional point guard, but at the same time, you have to have somebody who can create opportunities by going downhill with the basketball. That's not Josh Hart's um, primary skill. I don't think that that's, you know, Etwan Moore's primary, primary skill. We know that that isn't JJ Reddick's primary skill. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is the guy best suited to play the backup point guard, because again, Frank Jackson, he's a he's much more of a scorer than he is a a lead guard. Uh, so Nikhil is the the most suited to play that role behind Drew and Lonzo. But I I just don't think he'll get those minutes early because again, point guard is the hardest position I think in the NBA to transition to. Um, this will be done by committee, and we've talked a lot about Brandon Ingram getting the ball. And, and having ball handling duties and creating duties um, in, w- with the second unit. So I think the Pelicans will try to find ways like that to generate offense. Um, but there isn't really a traditional backup point guard here for this team.
0: All right. Great stuff, you guys. I it's so want to want nice to, to hear real quick.
1: Go yeah. ahead,
0: Ollie. Sorry.
1: All right. I just want, really wanted to add that I am a little concerned with Lonzo, uh, how he's going to, first of all – Offensive develop, you know, but I don't need to go in depth. Everybody knows about that. What I think is going to be interesting is end-of-game situations. I truly envision Drew Holiday taking over a point guard because the game slows down. You know, you're not going to be running really quickly. And, of course, alongside of him, you need some three-point shooting. So it would be Holiday, Redick. I think Ingram, Zion, and Favors are going to be finishing the games out. So how does Lonzo handle that? Of course, I could be wrong, but I'm just foreseeing that with Lonzo, he seems to just have more – uh Issues that he brings to the game, like I said, he's a zero on offense. He's proven to be nothing more than honestly a playmaker for others, and that just doesn't cut it at the end of the game So, David, to your point, I agree that he, 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 you know, the ball's in his court in terms of where he's going to be able to lead this offense. There's a lot of pauses, but you know, there's going to be the few rough spots. I'm curious to see how he handles all that.
2: I think he can be on the floor at the end of games. Because of the fact that he, his passing is not always determined by the dribble. And his defensive ability can keep him on the floor. It, it, I think it's going to be situational. We talked about this months ago, is that we feel like mm-hmm. this lineup will, especially early on, will be defined a lot by situations. I don't think there is a defined closing unit, because I, I think that there will be nights nice when Zion is not on the floor as part of the closing unit just because i think they're going to look at him and say hey, you've been taking a few too many risks defensively tonight or if his free throw stroke is also off that night things like that and 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 that happens with rookies so you know i don't i don't see over the first and like we talk about how difficult that first 20 game stretch is you're going to see i think you'll see a number of different closing lineups
0: You guys, I got a text from Ali Cosell six minutes ago that said, how much longer are we going to go? I got to run soon. And then he follows up on David's question. Uh, You guys, we got to wrap it up. (laughs) Called you out. Uh, Of course, you can follow him at at David at DM Grub. Uh, David, go ahead and tell our listeners where they can hear your show.
2: Uh, Sports 1280 from 8 to 10 a.m. And also on the iHeartRadio app. Um, so you can check it out there. You can download the podcast as well. And you can visit my website, HITP with DG.com.
0: Nice. Ali, you've got some Fantastic. new articles. Listen,
1: guys. Please do.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I just want to
1: get, we got to support the grub press. And before you give your closing remarks, I mean, honestly, guys, if you haven't listened to David's show, it is excellent guys. He's very knowledgeable. Lift your spirits because nobody wants to get up on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Go to work. Start your day. Listen to David. I guarantee you, your day will be better for it.
0: Nice stuff, Ali. And go ahead and talk about yourself. What stuff do you have coming down the pipeline?
1: I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> We've got some articles I've got in the works, As David knows, man, I started Brandon Ingram article last week. And then, of course, you just mentioned the one that the ringer did. So I'm going to wrap it up to where I look at him. And there's a lot of positives that I kind of have mentioned on David's show today on the podcast. And I'm going to put all my full thoughts into that article. should be up Monday.
0: All right. I've got some exciting stuff going on at work, so I got to get out of here. Thank everybody so much for tuning in. Remember, you can follow Ali at Ali Cosell, David at DM Grub. Um, If you want to help out our podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash Preston Ellis. Or it's a bit easier. You can just share this podcast. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, all that stuff helps us so much. Uh, as always, if you like what you're hearing, just you know tell your friends simple enough uh we've got a lot of great stuff coming down the pipeline we know we've been out of commission for a while but preseason is just around the corner so we are going to be back and we're going to be back soon i'm preston ellis let's go Pels.